A common arc of a songwriter is to start songwriting when they're in a darker season of life, and then they end up writing some sadder, deeper songs, and they're like, oh, cool, like somebody broke up with me, broke my heart, and I wrote this heart-wrenching song that will show her, or something like that. (laughs) But often, at some point, We as songwriters get to a point in life, or hopefully we do, we should be aiming for this, where maybe life is a little better than it once was. Maybe we find ourselves being happy for a season, which happiness is fleeting and, you know, is not something that we can just grasp and hold like joy is. But, you know, we all go through seasons of life that are darker or lighter, and sometimes we might be going through happy seasons and we're like, how do I write songs? Or specifically, how do I write songs and not have some happy, sappy, gross song that nobody wants to listen to that has no depth whatsoever? So how do I write some sad songs even though right now in my life I'm happy? Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. This is like episode 166 or something. We are getting pretty high up there. I am your host as always, Joseph Vidala, and today we're talking about writing sad songs or how to write sad songs when you're happy, and we're going to go a little deeper than just answering that question as well, because I think there are important questions around that um, that maybe we need to ask first. But before diving in, if you haven't already or if you're new here and you haven't grabbed my songwriting jumpstart basically is 10 ways to start writing a song. It gives you five ways from a more lyrical thematic standpoint, right? With words, how to start a song, and then also five ways from a more musical standpoint, how to start a song. Great way to jumpstart your creativity. If you are a seasoned songwriter or a new songwriter, there should be something there for you, especially if you are the type that maybe always starts your song with the same methodology, right? Maybe you always grab your guitar and start strumming some chords and you always start your your song that way. Great way to mix it up and a great way to maybe uh, refresh your creativity a bit is to change that up, try something new. So be sure to grab that. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide and the link will be in the show notes as usual. And today's episode comes from a great question I got uh, via email from Emily. And I gave her a pretty long answer uh, via email. Um, So sorry, Emily, this podcast might be uh, somewhat um, a repeat. I think I'm going to say some things that weren't in that email, but that was a long email. So so it, it, uh, it covered a lot. But great question coming from Emily about how to write sad songs when you're happy. This is definitely a big question that I had for a while there. Um, before I think I discovered the answer to this, which is maybe partially going to be what you think and partially not. Um, But we'll get into that before, though, getting to the heart of this question, which is, or actually getting to the actual heart of what I believe this question is, coming from a lot of us, at at least was at the heart of what I was really asking. Um, We're going to tackle that first. So... The question is, how do I write sad songs when I'm happy, right? And that's a good question. But the first question we need to ask is, is it really sad songs that we're trying to write? Or is it that we have the perception, which I believe is largely accurate, that quote-unquote happy songs 
are kind of shallow, usually. And I am of the opinion that if a song is just straight up happy, it tends to be shallow. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard a song that I would call a happy song that had, like, any real depth to it that's worth noting. Um, and to be clear, what I mean by this is not any song that has that isn't sad, right? Which I think is the first thing we need to tackle is there is no dichotomy of it's either a happy song or a sad song, right? Uh, just like what we talked about recently with modes, right, of those sort of shades of gray, right? We no longer just, like, there isn't just major and minor, which major and minor even aren't really just happy and sad. It depends on how you use them. But even if we were to say that major is happy and minor is sad, now we know that we have modes that can get us, you know, even darker than regular sad with Phrygian, for example, or we can go even brighter than and, and get almost heavenly and ethereal with Lydian. And then there are ones in between, right? Like Dorian and Mixolydian. So in the same way, songs can't just be grouped into sad and happy, right? There's, the, there's a whole spectrum within that. And our first question here, again, just to remind you, because I sort of dove into a little bit there is are we really trying to write a sad song? Because I think a lot of times we think we know what we want, but sometimes we've missed, right? And I've talked about this before. It is shocking to me the amount of artists of all kinds, uh, music especially, uh, but uh, I mean, even the people that are making movies these days, where they, they truly believe, they think they know what it is people like, and they're just wrong. They're just wrong. And I think that can be even true of ourselves, right? Because a lot of times if we're challenged with why do you like a certain artist, we give an answer that probably isn't true, right? You might say, oh, you like an artist because of their sound. And then somebody shows you another artist that has basically the exact same sound and you don't like them and you can't explain it. Well, the reason is because it's not really just like, that's not really why you like that one artist over the other. And I've used this example before, right? Dark Knight Trilogy comes out and, you know, it's dark and it's gritty and it's great, right? So then DC says, oh, that's what people want in superhero movies, dark. Like, well, no. What they want in superhero movies is for them to actually be good. And the Christopher Nolan Trilogy is fantastic, especially the Dark Knight, right, which is by almost all accounts, the greatest superhero movie ever. Um, I certainly would argue that. And regardless, it's certainly easily, easily in the GOAT discussion, right? So the DC universe misinterpreted that as, oh, people like Dark. No, 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 no. What they liked was how good it was, how fleshed out the villains were, how 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 well the story was made, right? They, they, they liked it almost more for Christopher Nolan than they did for the dark Knight. They didn't know it at the time. Right. But I think, I think there's more overlap between us who dark Knight trilogy turned into, Oh my goodness. I love Christopher Nolan. than it did into, Oh my goodness. I need to watch the other DC movies. Um, cause I, I watched man of steel and then I'm like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> That's enough for me. So, you know, that's an example. I could talk about star Wars and the entire sequel trilogy, but I won't, I won't do that. 
But another example of maybe they thought they know what people want, but wow, nope. Um, and you see this with with artists that you like too, right? That's why it's it's pretty rare that there's an artist that people like their first couple albums and then their later albums, right? There's there's usually the two fans, right? There's the old school fans. I only like their early stuff. I say that mockingly, but to be clear, I'm I'm usually that guy, so I'm not actually mocking. Well, I mean, I'm kind of mocking myself, but you know, there's that group, and then there's the people that like, oh, I discovered. I don't know, the Goo Goo Dolls when they came out with their album in like 2015. And I'm like, oh, so you mean the album that was like two albums after they started to not be good anymore? So like and there's usually those two groups, right? So. The question we need to ask ourselves with this sad songs and happy songs is, is it really that we want to write sad songs or is it that we have the again, mostly correct, I think, Assumption that a sappy, happy song usually has no depth to it. Therefore, we say, well, what is not happy? Sad. And while that's true, you usually, usually what we're looking for is a deep, meaningful song, which I think um, with when it comes to deep and meaningful, I've thought about this a lot because I, I've tried to figure out why is it that it seems, and it's not just me either, but it seems that people largely, even if they don't agree out loud, when you look at what people say, oh, it's deep and meaningful, universally, it has at least some quote unquote darkness to it. It's never straight up happy. And I think the reason is because if you look deeply at anything, it should have both light and darkness because almost everything in life has both. So you're just in La La Land if it's pure happy. And if it's just pure despair, probably it seems overdramatic and not to be taken seriously. Uh, I think overly dark gets away with it more than overly light. Because, again, I, I can't think of a single song that I've ever heard somebody say is like, oh, that's deep. Or a single movie that I've heard called like deep and really good and interesting that is like a quote-unquote, happy one, right? Like, nobody says, oh, what a genius Hallmark movie, right? It says zero people in the history of mankind, right? Uh, except maybe your grandmother, and, you know, that's okay. My grandmother's a little crazy, too, so it's we're good. It's fine. So the first challenge is really think, is it sad that you want? I would say probably the answer is no. Probably you're looking for something deep instead, because all things that are deep and philosophical usually have at least some darkness to them. Depth requires seeing things as they really are, right? Which, pro again, probably involves a level of light and dark. So usually I think depth is found in songs that, you know, vary from maybe it's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Which is sort of the idea that I'm in darkness now, but I see hope still, you know, I might not be feeling hopeful, depending on how far away that light is. Um, but, but uh, you know, I at least have enough mind about me that I, I, I can realize that this darkness is not forever. Or cup half empty versus half full. What's interesting about half empty and half full, in both cases, it is only half way, right? You don't have a full glass which in this case we could maybe interpret as happy. And it also is not an empty glass, right? It's in the middle. 
It's in the middle. So it's it's do you take a darker look at this middle ground or is it a lighter look at it? So let's dive into how to actually write sad or deep songs when you're happy and just everything is going great and everybody that you love loves you and, you know, everything is just peachy. Which happens sometimes or or, you know, it's depending on how your life was before, you know, your perception of everything going right might, you know, we all have different levels of that. So regardless, if you're in a good place right now, how do you still, you know, write something of substance or maybe even write something that's sad despite not being sad? And I think the first step is learning to be able to write from outside your current feelings and circumstances. And I think I've noticed when I talk to a lot of non-creatives, sometimes there's this assumption that every song written is autobiographical. And there's also this assumption that all their songs are birthed out of something they're currently going through. Right? So if somebody hears somebody write a song that is, you know, I love you and you don't love me, just to keep, keep it really basic, you know, they assume like, oh, that must be what they're going through right now, right? Or if an artist comes out with an album that's theme is, I don't know, that. We'll just keep it with that. They assume like, oh, the lead singer or whoever does a songwriting must have went through a heartbreak. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that, right? It's easiest to write from our current feelings and circumstances. But we we don't want our songs to be dependent on our current circumstances. And I mentioned that other non-creatives tend to assume that because to me, I think that's one of the big differences between a creative and somebody who's not a creative. And if you're saying to yourself, hey, wait a second, I, I got to be honest, I kind of feel that way. What, what I'm not saying is that these people can't be creative, right? It's just they're not currently at the level they would need to be to to really be a creative, right? We, we all have to grow into this, right? So don't quit songwriting if, if you currently fit, fall into this camp. Everybody starts in this camp. We just do need to work our way out of it. So it's always going to be easiest to write from our current feelings and circumstances, right? That's, that's where it's really easy, right? Somebody breaks your heart, you sit down, you write, uh, oh my goodness, you left me song of some kind. Of course, that's going to be super easy. And yes, you should, to use parlance I've used before, you should ride the wave, right? So if there's currently something going on in your life that's sort of like a wave, just ride that thing, right? Don't, don't be pushing against the waves. Don't be going upriver. Go with the flow, right? If you can write a great song easily about a certain subject because you're going through something, you should tap into that. That's an important part of being a creative, tapping into your current circumstance, but that doesn't mean that we need to rely on our current circumstances, and we really shouldn't rely on it. And one way to do this is to be able to reaccess things that happened in our past and do what, what I call shallow dives. And the idea of a shallow dive is that I can be songwriting at 10 o'clock at night and I can reflect on something I went through in the past and I can get myself enough back into past me's shoes 
to write a genuine song and for it to not be, you know, fabricated or not uh, seem ingenuine, right? For it, for it to be something that is coming from a real place. But when then I go upstairs to go to bed, I'm fine, right? So the, the idea is what you, let's take the two sides, which what you don't want to do on the one side is not get deep enough into what you're trying to write about that you're totally writing about it without empathizing with it on some level. So whether it's about you in the past or whatever it is, you do need to not just think about it. You want your feelings to somewhat go back there. But on the other side, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't, let's say it's something really horrible. That happened to you. I won't. I won't even. I don't even want to give an example of what it could be, right? But let's say it's something really bad. What you don't want to do is get yourself to being. You know, you don't have the next week be toast, or you know, even even worse. You know, months or you or you know, maybe it's it, it's, it was a real depression thing, and it dive it it makes you dive back into that, right? That's what you do. You don't want to do, right? We don't want to to sacrifice our psych, our real psychological health for the sake of the song. And it's easy as a songwriter to do that. I've been there. Um, the good news is you don't have to do that. And that's what learning the art of the shallow dive is. You know what? Sometimes you're going to dive too deep. You're going to wake up the next morning not feeling great. Now you know, okay, I went too far, right? And then sometimes you're going to not dive deep enough and you're not going to get any writing done or you're not going to genuinely feel it at all. And you'll know, right? And now you know, okay, maybe I need to dive a little deeper. So beyond that advice, I can't exactly communicate to you how far you need to, but you need to de determine that for yourself. All of us are going to have different levels. Uh, for me personally, I found over, over time, it's become easier and easier to dive more deeply into something and yet get out quickly. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if that's a universal experience. Just know that I that it absolutely is a thing that you can write from your past and it be genuine and not seem like you're, you know, writing with no feeling uh, by doing what I would call shallow dives. And then there's the other side. We know ourselves, right? So what we also can do is put ourselves into a fictional future. And an example of this really is, well, actually, this is an example of several of the of the things I'm going to talk about here. But uh, the EP that I'm currently finishing up, and I know I've been saying that for a while. This is what happens when you're overly, you're overly meticulous about things that probably don't matter. Um, which there, there's a little side tip: don't do that. Don't be a perfectionist like me. Um, but. It's about, for the most part, Alzheimer's, and the, the, the name of it is Keeping Memories. And the whole theme is basically the idea of an old man who is trying to keep his memories of, it's implied that his wife died, and he's trying to keep her memories. And then there's sort of a three of the five songs are sort of directly the story of him from barely remembering her to... Uh, but by the last song, there's no even mention of her because it's that part's totally forgotten. Um, 
So that's, that's kind of the central theme. And a part of that is birthed from I put myself in that circumstance because I can resonate with that, right? I don't have kids yet, so but I do have a wife. So I, I, can re- I can put myself in a theoretical future. How would I feel if my wife had passed before me and I had Alzheimer's and I'm trying, trying desperately to remember her and and as my memory keeps failing me more and more, you know, how would, I, how would I deal with that? And you may say that's not exactly how Alzheimer's works and that's called creative license. So it's okay. Um, and also it depends. And, you know, it could, it could be dementia too. I, I never say Alzheimer's so it's left up to your imagination. Regardless. That would be an example of being able to fast forward your life into theoretical circumstances you can be in, right? Because you understand yourself, so you can at least somewhat put yourself in a theoretical future's shoes and and genuinely know to some extent how you would feel and how you would think. And that's sort of the other side, right? You should be able to go to your past and you should be able to go to a theoretical future. Uh, And often these are theoretical futures that you want to not be the actual future. And, you know, that's okay because you doing this will not make it your actual future. That's not how it works. So another side to this is to not be writing purely from your point of view at all. There's another side of that misconception, right? That if I write a song that says I, it must be me I'm talking about, right? The character of the song that's singing must be me. Most non-creatives assume this outright, I've noticed, for whatever reason. And that is also completely garbage, right? It's like if you write a book or a movie, you can write a main character that the crowd is supposed to cheer for that you don't even agree with. Right. That's writing. That's creativity. So the so the last part of this, right, is not only do you not need to be confined to the present, you. You can go back or forwards. You also don't have to be it doesn't have to be about you. Right. We all have friends. We all have family members. We all hear stories about others. We all watch TV shows and movies We read books, hopefully. We have stories. There are other things in life besides ourselves. And hopefully, if we have the ability to empathize with others, we should be able to write some songs either from somebody else's point of view or or we can even take ourselves, put ourselves in their story's shoes and say, how would I feel? So that's sort of a hybrid, right, of... Well, it's sort of about me because it's sort of like I don't really know what they're going through, but I can imagine what they're going through or what I would be going through if I were in their scenario. And at that point, you're just sort of stealing their scenario, right? But that is another thing that's very important to be able to do. Like, um, for example, I wrote a song called Go Ahead and Leave. And it was mostly I I, I had never had a girlfriend at this point. Um, So I had never had a breakup. But my friend did. And so that song is sort of it's sort of a hybrid, right, of it's sort of his point of view because I was, you know, we're best friends and 
we talked about a lot. So I knew his point of view. But it also was, and especially in order to get that next level empathy, me putting myself in his shoes and saying, how would I feel? Um, which is funny, because then when I did actually go through a breakup several years later, I'm like, wow, I was exactly right. That is how I feel, um, <laughs> which is sad. But you're welcome for bringing this podcast down. But um, whether it's your friend or a story that you hear on, I don't know, the news or whatever it is, right? If you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes, which is just empathy, right? You can write from that. You can write what you empathize with. So it also helps to give yourself little advantages. And I got a comment on the YouTube video that I did on this that said somebody being like that. This doesn't work for me. Um, I got plenty of feedback that it works for other people. So it's just the one person, right? So this may not work for you. I'm just going to give that caveat so you don't feel the need to at me and be like, hey, that didn't work for me. Literally any advice you ever get, not every piece of advice is going to work for everybody, right? But for me, I find it very helpful to give myself the advantage of having pictures that I put directly in the document that I'm writing the song in or in a document that's in the same folder as the, you know, the idea is I can have them both up on the screen at the same time, the lyrics I'm writing and these pictures. And that is to be able to get back to that emotional center of the song and have a uniform emotional center. If I write it today and six months from now, I don't have to remember as much because I have the same pictures that bring me back to the same moment or that same feeling. So you got to find, I find paintings are most helpful. So I find paintings that either literally sort of embody the story I'm trying to tell, or they just sort of have the same emotion or vibe that I kind of want the song to go for. And that can really help. And, you know, maybe it doesn't help you. Maybe you need to listen to music, maybe other art. But I do think that using other art to sort of propel you into uh, a certain creative zone is something that can be really, really helpful. And, yeah, you can use movies and 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 shows as well. Um, my advice with that is even if you get a story from that, which I did write a song that's sort of a hybrid of my own experience back in the day combined with a story in a show that I had watched recently, but I still went and got pictures and art that evoked the emotion of it because I don't want to have to go rewatch the show or an episode of the show or even five minutes of the show every time I work on the song. Right? So think about efficiency a little bit in determining what you do. If pictures doesn't work for you, that's fine. I would at least try it. Um, before before you write it off, though. I, I have found it personally to be super powerful for me. Hopefully, it's powerful for you as well. So another thing you can do is be able to combine different parts of your life. And this is sort of connected to the whole empathy thing, right? Because you're kind of combining, here's somebody else's story, and I somewhat put myself in their shoes, which is basically empathy, but it's also sort of a combination, right? I'm combining your experience with my person. And 
you also can combine different parts of your own life where you're just drawing from different things you've experienced and put them together. For example, the Alzheimer's thing was also inspired by the fact that I had two grandparents who passed away from some version of one had actual Alzheimer's and the other one had fast moving dementia. And even a third one who passed away, um, a a lot of times, and some of you may know this, and I know this again, really, at the end, very often the person doesn't, because it's at the end, so they almost don't recognize anybody, even if they don't have that stuff, just because they're that far kind of gone already. Um, We'll end there. Don't want to get too dark about this, but. Uh, I, I certainly resonated with the whole people grappling with not being able to remember things, not being able to remember or recognize people that were important to them. And so so I'm, I combined two different things, right? I had grandparents suffer from this. I had to watch that. Uh, but then, you know, I, I, for the most part, the angle I took was me putting myself in their shoes rather than me being in my own shoes in that circumstance. So I'm combining different parts of my life. And, you know, you, you can do this for a lot of things. For example, you know, just because you start a, a love song, say, about one person, does not mean that it needs to be finished that way. Um, you know, I, I remember in high school, there's there was one song that literally, I, I laughed about the fact that there are three verses in the song, and based on the way it was written and how much time it took to write, all three verses were about three different girls I was interested in in high school. Um, in one song. So, and, you know, be, beyond, like, you know, questions of, so how much time was that? You were interested in three different girls? Like, like, besides questions on that part, there's nothing wrong with the fact, like, there's no, you know, you, you start writing a song and it must be about what it originally was about, right? Uh, there was also a song concept I had that was called um, Love You the Same, I Will Love You the Same. It's basically the idea of, you know, I will still love you consistently no matter what, no matter what we're going through, right? And that's that's sort of at the heart of wedding vows, right? Is is the idea that no matter the circumstance, I will still choose to love you. Um, so it was just sort of that reworded. I came up with that concept long before I even met my wife. Long before I met my wife. I, I think before I was even in college. And I didn't finish it. Until a couple of months before getting married, where I finally was like, I know what the verses need to be about. Chorus stayed the same. The chorus originally had nothing to do with wedding. The chorus initially had nothing to do with uh, my wife. I mean, not that it was specific. It wasn't specific at all. But, you know, you, you do not have to have a single song be about a single thing. You can combine different things. It might not be important where a song started at all. And then finally, sometimes you can write songs that are more deep or sad just by getting more philosophical. And I think it's important sometimes when we think about what is it we do here, really. And, for example, I did a podcast about why we should sort of see ourselves as poets, and why I think that's important. 
and the, the short version is that there's something about if you if you see yourself as a poet, then you you realize the importance of words and therefore the importance of lyrics. Right? If you just consider yourself a songwriter. And you kind of, if you're being really honest with yourself, see lyrics as like, I guess I have to do that. I think you're missing a huge opportunity and sort of the point as well. Because if your song has lyrics that who cares, why should I care about any of this song really, right? And so the idea of sort of fancying yourself as a poet, thinking of yourself as a poet, is it puts this sort of pressure in a good way to care more about lyrics and to raise the standard of how good you want your lyrics to be. And I think adding to the list of, in this case, poet, so a list of one, fancying yourself a bit of a philosopher. I don't know why that word came out weird. Philosopher. Why does that sound wrong? I don't, I don't know why it sounds wrong right now, but is also a thing that I think is really helpful to think of yourself. Because if you think about it, that sort of is what we're doing. And what and and, and not just songwriters, right? I, I think this is true of basically any artist is a form of philosopher. And you, you may notice that through time, th- there are some people where, where the line is very thin. And, and very often, authors will also be philosophers. And, you know... People who are philosophers and known for that were into writing music and compositions. And and I think there's overlap for a reason. Because really art should be. True art usually is philosophical. We've talked before about don't, like your song shouldn't have a message, right? You shouldn't sit down and be like, I'm going to write a song about don't do this. That's not really art. That is... Uh, it's, it's not art. It's manipulation, right? And it's propaganda, which is not art. What we should be doing as artists is it might be put ourselves in a circumstance, write what we would do. We're not thinking about what's the right thing to do. We're not thinking about what do I want to convince people to do. We're just being genuine and asking the question. So, for example... You can take some conventional wisdom out there or some of those cliches that exist, right? Like everything happens for a reason. You'll find love when you stop looking. Time heals all wounds. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? Which I think sometimes is as a statement. It is better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And you may or may not agree or disagree with any number of those I just said or any other ones, right? We Probably all of us do have at least one thing that we're like, man, it really bothers me that everybody just keeps saying that. And it's like, no, it's not. Stop. It's not true. And it's so obviously not true. Uh, like I have a certain relative, I won't throw them under the bus, but who always says, whatever makes you happy, dear, um, with the Boston accent. So it's whatever makes you happy, dear. Um, but, and, and I, I, it drives me crazy every time I see that it's horrible advice. Like what if being a cannibal makes you happy? Should they still do whatever makes them happy? What if cheating on their wife and leaving their kids is what makes them happy? Right? Like it's, it's obviously horrible advice. If you think about it for even five seconds, like Jeffrey Dahmer probably enjoyed what he did. (laughs) Like 
Probably made him happy. Only for a little bit, maybe. Then when he was in jail, probably less happy. But the idea that we should just follow happiness is an obviously horrible piece of advice that a lot of people give. It's And it's horrible. It's terrible, terrible advice. Again, if you even think about it for five seconds, which is a follow-up thing that bothers me. When people give advice that, like, literally, if you think five seconds about that thing, you should be able to figure out it's horrible advice and never give it again. So why do you keep saying something that you clearly have put no thought into? Anyway, there's a mini Joseph rant for the day. Let's wrap this up. So back on the philosophical thing. Um, you know, so whether it's a phrase like that, right, do whatever makes you happy, that sort of advice, or any of those cliches I just said, maybe sort of challenging those things, right, or or putting them to practice or putting them in a circumstance where there are to be challenged, right? So saying time heals all wounds is, you know, whatever. Well, try saying that to somebody who just lost their child, right? They may have a different take on that. Or, or maybe more interesting, tell that to the 75-year-old woman who lost her son 40 years ago and is still bitter about it. Time heals all wounds, you say to her. How would she feel about that, right? So sometimes challenging conventional wisdom, either directly or just asking the question. Like, uh... There's a whole song I wrote that's sort of, it was a reductionist view of it, but it sort of is a, I, I'm, I wrote it sort of from a, is it true to have be, that it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? Because I had grappled with that for a long time, and eventually I did determine that I actually do agree with that. I, I do think it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And maybe there are different circumstances where that might be true or might not be true, and, you know, maybe... Different people also process things differently and don't agree with that. But for me, I, I rested on that. I thought it was true. And a song I wrote was sort of all about this idea. It's called I Don't Regret Us. And it's all about this, like, I can appreciate what it was. I also can, um, you know, not be angry about the fact that we're no longer together, not want to be back together even, but still say, you know what? I'm glad I did that, right? I'm glad that we were in a relationship. Even if it doesn't didn't work out, that's okay, right? And it's not because I think you suck, and it's also not that I want you back. It just is acknowledging that at the time, for what it was, I, I wouldn't trade it, right? Maybe, maybe you made me a better person. It doesn't really matter why, right? But be fancying yourself a modern-day philosopher in some ways is something else that I think can be really helpful when you think about things. And as songwriters, we should be thinking deeply about things. We shouldn't be, like, we should be the people that sit in the room and when somebody says something so dumb as do whatever makes you happy, we should cringe at that or, like what I do, disagree with them and show them how they're wrong because it bothers me that much that such horrible advice is being said to people and that people actually follow it. You know, we should be the people that 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 instantly dive a little deeper and actually ask, is this good advice? Does this make sense? Let me test this. Because we are modern day philosophers in some ways and not in like a, you know, ooh, I'm a philosopher way, right? Like, not, not in that, not in that way. Just as a, this, this is what we do, right? We, we ask questions that we may or may not have the answer to. 
We challenge things. We think deeply about things. We have to think deeply about things. Some people, you know, maybe get away with not thinking deeply about things. Maybe they don't want to think deep and, you know, whatever. That's fine. We can't control that. We as songwriters need to be thinking more deeply than, than you know, people that aren't creatives. But as creatives, we specifically definitely have to be thinking deeper about things. So at the end of the day, how do you write songs, sad songs when you're happy? You can go to your past. You can go to a theoretical future. You can put yourself in other people's shoes, whether you know them personally, whether they're a fictional character in a show or movie or book, whether they are a fictional character in a painting or a sculpture, or whether it's a news story you heard recently. You should be able to leverage empathy into writing from point of views that are not your own. And you also should be able to combine different parts of your life and and sort of concoct a totally fictional thing that's based on different things you've experienced and you put them together, you mix and match them, and then you come up with something new. And sometimes just dive a little deeper and get more philosophical and and just really start with fancy saying I am a I'm a songwriter, which also makes me a poet or I'm trying to become a poet. Right. I want to become a poet and I want to be a philosopher. I love how that word has like this, this super, um, it just, every time I say that, like, it sounds like I'm telling you to like, think you're, you're like this brilliant gift, God's gift to man. Uh, and that's not what I'm saying at all, but in, in the actual sense of what a philosopher is, right. Somebody who does some philosophizing, I guess. Um, that is another thing that we should be, I think, reaching for. And at least, at very least, it is very helpful for writing deeper songs, which often are sadder songs, um, even if our current life is good. So hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, uh, something you can do to help me out is to go to Apple Podcasts. And I hear that also Spotify now has reviews. I got an email from them. I'm not sure if it's actually released, released or in pre-release or some of you have it, some don't. I don't know how that's working exactly, but apparently if you listen on Spotify, you also can leave a review. So if you can leave a kind five-star review, that would help me out so much. Again, if you don't feel like uh, it deserves that, then okay, don't give it. But also, uh, how could you not? Just kidding. Um, But I do appreciate all of you who have left kind five-star reviews. It's super helpful. And, hey, it's something, too, that on days that I'm feeling a little, like, uh, down, I guess, uh, I can go to that and be like, wow, okay, this this is helping people. And that that, um, is enough to motivate me to be like, yeah, awesome. Let's figure out the next thing I can teach that I think will be helpful. So thank you to all of you who have done that. If you haven't already, again, go pick up my 10 ways to start writing a song free guide, five from a lyrical standpoint, five from a musical standpoint. Again, I think this is going to be really helpful to people, whether they are new to songwriting and they are like, all right, how do I start? Uh, But also is meant to be a jump start. So if you are feeling creatively a little on the dry side, uh, this should help with that as well, because again, I think it's so important to 
write songs from different standpoints, start with different instruments, start with different sides of the song, whether it's starting with a melody or starting with chords or starting with a, you know, a piano riff or a bass line or starting with lyrics instead of starting with the music, starting with simply a theme or a symbol. There's so many different ways. So if you're interested, be sure to check that out. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide again should be in the show notes down below or whatever your podcast provider calls those things. The description sometimes it's called. So it should be down there. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And also, again, a special shout out to Emily for asking this, I think, really, really good question. So thank you, Emily. And I will talk to all of you in the next one.